Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for all these wonderful songs that really speak to us so much of the assurance and the confidence that is ours in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the incredible price that was paid on our behalf when your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to pay the full price for all of our sin. Thank you that we can gather here this morning in freedom and be able to lift our voices and our hearts in praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for all that you've done for us. Thank you now for your precious word. And as we already sung this morning the words from the Apostle Paul as he prayed for the church at Ephesus, that you would open the eyes of our hearts. And we'd be ready not only to listen, but also to respond to what the Spirit of God would say to us this morning. We love you, and we give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As you know, our series through the Gospel of John, as we've had uh, Pastor Gary and others preach through this series, is entitled, Why Jesus? And when I think of that question this morning, Why Jesus? A verse that comes to mind is probably familiar to many of you, is Psalm 46, verse 1. Our God is our what? Our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And as we look at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6 this morning, right at the outset of this passage, Jesus shares these six words with his disciples and with us. Let not your hearts be troubled. I thought to myself, what may cause one's heart to be troubled today? Certainly there were things that troubled the disciples' hearts, and Jesus was aware of those things, and we'll talk about those in a few minutes, but what about today? What are some things, and certainly the list could be a very extensive about things that trouble our hearts. Here's a few things that I jotted down. It could be the death of a child. It could be going through a serious illness. It could be a, a marriage struggle or breakup. Uh, your teenager or your young adult not following on in their faith can cause your heart to be troubled. Could be that you've been evacuated recently due to a wildfire in your community. Could be a financial crisis. Could be a missing child. Could be a mental health struggle. Uh, an elderly parent who is, is struggling with memory loss. There's so many things that are part of the circumstances of our everyday lives that God allows us to go through that can cause us to have troubled hearts. As I thought about this list today as well, and just thinking back to my experience as a pastor, we as a congregation, and this is just a little aside and encouragement and a challenge to you, we need to be praying for our pastors who also serve in our context as elders, along with our volunteer elders and their wives and all of our ministry staff. Because I've discovered as a pastor in that role, and specifically pastors and ministry staff, they often get to see people at the very best of times in their lives. Uh, they've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have the privilege of, of seeing someone that they've helped come to faith to, to see them be baptized and give a public testimony of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They see them making life commitments. Uh, they get to be a part of baby dedications. They get to be a part of, of a couple uh, when they get engaged and then officiating at their wedding. The, the best of times. But pastors and ministry staff and their spouses also often get to see people at the very worst of times. And along with elders and their wives. Again, through some of these very troubling situations in people's lives. I've also discovered as a pastor that 
Often before you preach a sermon, God allows you to live the sermon. And uh, there's one more thing I had on my list that became very real in my life just over two and a half weeks ago that would cause my heart and heart of my wife and my kids and my future son-in-law to have very troubled hearts. And again, we know God allows us to go through these times and we don't understand them, but we know that God allows those things to happen. And it's interesting, I had started to prepare this message in late July. I was given the passage back in the spring and I started to list those things that could cause uh, trouble in all of our hearts. And the one thing on my list that I haven't mentioned yet is job loss. And for me, uh, just on August the 15th, uh, unbeknownst to me, I received the news that due to some restructuring at my place of employment, that uh, I was being terminated without cause. And this past Tuesday was my last day uh, at my place of employment. And it came as a total shock and a surprise. And of course, what does that cause you to start thinking? What's next? Uh, So many emotions that get involved in that and, and think about God's provision and the needs and your family. And not only to impact me, but impact my wife and my family. And I'm sure it impacts others as well. And so often God just lets you realize you get to live the sermon. So it is very real for me this morning as we talk about uh, our troubled hearts. I also want to mention I have deeply, deeply valued our pastors through this time in the last two and a half weeks and our elders. These men are gold. And I'm thankful for them. I love them and just for their support and encouragement and prayers through this time. So would you turn with me to John 14, verses 1 to 6? As we think about uh, troubled hearts today, uh, Jesus recognizes here that his disciples had troubled hearts. And that's why he says right from the very outset of our passage, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, One commentator described the disciples as completely bewildered, and discouraged. To to be troubled in heart means to be stirred or agitated within. Uh, This sense of of what's happening in my life right now with the circumstances that God is bringing into my life. I know personally when I received that news, my mind automatically went to Job's words where it says, what? The Lord gives? We like that part. (laughs) And the Lord takes away. I can honestly say I shared this when I met with Pastor Gary the next day after receiving the news and cried with him in his office. I said to him, honestly, I'm not sure I can say the rest of that verse at this point. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That has come over time. But the Lord does give and the Lord does take away. And that's the reality of lives for all of us and can cause in our lives a lot of trouble. Well, why were the disciples so discouraged and defeated at this point in their life and their time with Jesus. Where they had recently received, as you read through the Gospels chronologically, and put them side by side, just in the few weeks leading up to John chapter 14, they had received six items of bad news. And any one of these six items would cause their hearts to be troubled. They received the news that Jesus was leaving them. And five times in the Gospel of John, John 7, John 8, 12, twice in John 12 and in John 13, uh, Jesus tells them, I'm going to be leaving you. Jesus told them he was going to die. He told them that one of you will be a traitor. In the 
hearing of all the other disciples, he said, Peter, you're going to disown me three times. He also told them that Satan was at work against all of them, and eventually all of them would fall away. Someone said the cumulative weight of these revelations must have greatly discouraged and even depressed them. We realize today that troubled hearts are the reality of everyday life. But we also need to realize today that even though we have trouble in this world, and Jesus talked about that, in this world you will have trouble. What does the rest of the verse say? But take heart, I've overcome the world. So what would you say if these disciples were before you and they had received all of this bad news? What would you say to them today? What would you say as you come alongside someone, maybe you know a family member or a close friend who you know right now is going through a difficult time and their hearts are troubled? What would you say to them? Well, we don't have to come up with the answers. Do you know why? Because in our passage today, Jesus provides for us provided for the disciples words of exhortation and encouragement. And so join me as we walk through John 14, 1 to 6, and along the pathway this morning through these verses, we will discover what Jesus teaches regarding overcoming a troubled heart. When Pastor Gary assigned this passage to me, I was very thankful because this is actually the very first passage of Scripture I memorized as a little boy in Sunday school. And as you know, many of you know, I got to Sunday school on a bus I'm thankful for those who loved me for Jesus. And this is the very first passage I memorize. Here's what it says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And as I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So six items of bad news that the disciples had received that caused them to have troubled hearts. But then six truths that Jesus shares in our passage today to reassure our troubled hearts. Number one is this. You trust in God. You believe in God. Trust also in me. This was not a casual statement that Jesus was making here in, uh, in verse number two, or verse number one. Uh, it's a direct command. Uh, it's a picture here of a, of a deeply rooted tree that when the storms come, that tree is able to stand strong because its roots are deep. And in our situation as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are commanded to continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be a, a tree that is, is deeply rooted. Paul talks about that in the book of Colossians, that we continue to grow. And as this fall we enter into the wonderful fall ministry season, there are wonderful opportunities for you as a follower of Jesus uh, whether you're new to the faith or you've been a believer for many, many years, to continue to, to put down those deep roots and grow in your faith so that you can uh, be more like Jesus and go through storms with confidence. The disciples then and you and I today can trust in Jesus because why we learn to take Jesus at his word. Uh, 
You know, how many of the promises of God have become reality in your everyday life? Uh, this is what we have, right? This is what we are able to keep coming back to. Uh, again, as a pastor, people would come to me and say, I need some counseling. Well, I would first of all tell them, as a pastor, I'm not a professional counselor. Value and appreciate those who are, especially when they provide their counsel from the Word of God. But I do tell them, I can provide you with biblical advice. And often for people, it's just the need of, of reassurance of the promises that we find in the Word of God as they go through troubled times. For example, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I can do all things through Christ who keeps on pouring his strength into me. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. We can cast all our anxious care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and let it not be afraid. I love the verse where it says in John 10, verse 29, no one can snatch or pluck you out of my Father's hand. And when I think of that verse, I think of the, the, the picture in the Old Testament that says our God holds the waters of the world, figuratively, in the hollow of his hand. Well, if he can hold the waters of the world in the hollow of his hand, do you think he can hang on to you as one of his children? Absolutely. And then I think of, of Romans 8, 35 to 39, where we learn that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Who shall separate us from the love of God, Paul asks. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am persuaded, Paul says, absolutely convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth. And then in case he didn't cover it all, he says what? Nor nothing else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the time when your heart is troubled, trust in Jesus. Trust in his words. Listen, as the song says, to the voice of truth. Because the voice of truth does what? It tells you a different story as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. God speaks to you through his word and allow him to do that. You see, our trust in God, our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary allows us to go through those times of trouble and find assurance for our troubled hearts. Number two, we find in verse two, Jesus says this, I go to prepare a place for you. Death should not be a terror or a fear for the disciples, and it should not be for us today because Jesus was leaving. Yes, that was the bad news, but what was he leaving for? He was going to prepare a place for the disciples and for us. It speaks to us here of a, of a dwelling place. Uh, one translation uses the word mansion or many, many rooms. It, whatever the word is, it gives a sense of permanence. Uh, this is not moving from place to place as we do on earth often. No, this is a place of permanence. It's for all of eternity. And Jesus' death on the cross 
It's the sinless Lamb of God sacrificed to pay the full price for all of our sin once for all of time opened the door for us to have eternal life. The book of Revelation teaches us that one day there will be what? A new heaven and a new earth. It also gives a wonderful description of, of the new Jerusalem. It says it's coming down out of heaven from God. I encourage you sometime, read through Revelation chapter 21 and read the description that's there of the new Jerusalem. Uh, John, in his struggle to find words, you know, tries to describe what God allowed him to see as he was led by the Spirit. Absolutely incredible what it will be one day for all of us. Interesting, I remember a pastor preaching through Revelation chapter 21, and it, there it gives the, uh, the measurements of the new Jerusalem. It's in the shape of a cube, and it's the same distance wide as it is deep as it is tall. And that particular pastor took a map of North America, and uh, though he didn't have a cube sitting there, what he did, he at least drew out the, the bottom, what it was like with the, the, the width and the depth all the way around, those four measurements. And it went from uh, northern Ontario all the way down to South Florida, all the way across to California, all the way up to British Columbia, and all the way back across to northern Ontario. And then, of course, the height is there as well. And he mentioned that someone at one point in time did the measuring and realized there's enough room to fit the world's population since all of creation into that new Jerusalem. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Now, we know that not all will be there because it's only for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The moment you come to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's two things you know automatically. <laughs> Number one, your sins are forgiven. And you have the guarantee of a home in heaven for all eternity. And what did it say in Romans? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That can never be taken away from us. It doesn't matter the circumstances of our everyday lives. It doesn't matter that the trouble that we are journeying through right now, the things that cause our hearts to be troubled, nothing can take that away from us. And Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. Isn't that incredible? That brings comfort to my troubled heart this morning. Number three, Jesus said in verse 3, I will come again. What an incredible promise to reassure our troubled hearts. Here I picture a, a parent, and I remember doing this when our children were little. Uh, you know, you're dropping them off at, uh, at a babysitter's because you're going out for the evening or during the daytime. Um, maybe you're dropping them off at school, and you share these reassuring words, I'll be back to pick you up later. Or I will return home. When you wake up in the morning, I will be there. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is returning for his church. Who is, makes up the church? It's those who are true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to these wonderful words in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. These bring great comfort to us this morning. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. The Apostle Paul writes this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we will tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air and meet them in the clouds and with the Lord. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Jesus is coming back for his church. And as it says, we will be with the Lord forever. And as Jesus saw the troubled hearts of his disciples, though they had spent this wonderful time with him, and he had poured into their lives, and they loved him deeply, and yes, he was going. He was going to leave them. But he would come back one day again. There certainly are many thoughts out there, and I have good friends who uh, differ from me on the actual order of events. But the bottom line is this. We agree on three things. Jesus is coming back for his church. Number two, I must be ready when Jesus returns. And number three, while I have breath, I must do all I can to help others be ready for when Jesus Christ returns for the church. Because I do not want them to be left behind. You have a troubled heart this morning? Know that Jesus is coming back and we will be with him forever. Number four. In verse four, Jesus shares this with his disciples to calm their troubled hearts. He says, you know the way to the place I am going. It's always so helpful when you have clear directions when you're traveling. How many of you wives appreciate it when your husbands have clear directions when they're traveling, right? Yeah, Many of you will remember the days like we did when we were traveling. We didn't have the value of a, uh, you know, of a phone that has a map on it, and you, know, you couldn't plug it into your car, and, and you'd have a woman speaking to you to give you directions, men, as you went your various places. Why don't they have men on those things? It's always a woman that's speaking to you. <laughs> you know, we used to have maps, right? And how many of you, honestly, as men, because I know I did this a number of times, you had the map on the steering wheel? You know, and you're trying to find it because <laughs> your wife couldn't figure out where you're supposed to go as she was looking at the map. <laughs> We've all experienced that. Don't we value clear directions? It's always so helpful when you also have clear direction for the future. But I've discovered in my life at times, and even right now, I don't have clear direction for the future. But I know God does. I know God has that all in control. And ultimately, as Jesus said, you know the way to the place I am going. Most times we don't know what's in store for us in the months and the years ahead. And we can have all of our plans, and, and it's good to plan. There's a lot of wisdom in so many areas of our lives in planning for the future. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But James reminds us not to boast in those plans, because ultimately it's God's direction. The psalmist writes, or, or, many are the plans in a man's heart but it's God's purpose that prevails. And then in his heart, a man plans his steps, but God determines his course. We can plan, but ultimately everything is in the hands of God. And we know as followers of Jesus, not only in this life can we trust in his clear direction for us, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord. We know our final destination and we have the directions as to how to get there. And throughout his ministry, Jesus has time and time again shown his disciples the, the way to eternal life. But like Thomas expresses in verse 5, they still didn't fully understand 
what was going to happen. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, and how can we know the way? His statement here reflects the perplexity of the disciples. Thomas is the one who speaks up, but all of them at this point were struggling. And even Peter in John chapter 13, verse 36 says, Lord, where are you going? So it wasn't just doubting Thomas. The poor guy gets that nickname because he's the one who tends to speak up when he has a doubt. But they were all struggling with this. And the disciples remained puzzled until after his death and resurrection and the advent of the, the promised Holy Spirit that God provided to them. They had all the information they needed to know the way to eternal life and to heaven, but they just couldn't quite put it all together. Today we know, even when our hearts are troubled, we know where Jesus is. Where does the Bible tell us Jesus is right now? He's at the right hand of God the Father. And what's he doing there? He's working on my behalf and on your behalf. He's at the right hand of God the Father, and he's making intercession for us. What a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We know exactly where he is, and we know how to get there. Why? Because the Word of God gives us very clear direction. Not only for this life, but also how we can have eternal life. Number five. Another way that Jesus reassures them is in verse 6, the first part. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Seven times in the Gospels, Jesus uses the words, I am, to describe himself. As soon as I see those words, I am, it takes me back to the, the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God said to Moses, I am who I am. And by Jesus using the I am statement uh, throughout his ministry just reaffirms my confidence in knowing that Jesus Christ, when he was in the flesh, he was fully man, but he was also fully God. I am who I am. In the original Greek, these words are emphatic. Um, we can have full confidence in knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This name, I am, expresses God's character as a dependable and a faithful God. He's worthy, as it said in verse 1, of our full trust and confidence. He desires the full trust of his people. And as Jesus uses this I am statement there uh, seven times, it reminds me again that he is faithful and he's dependable and he is worthy of all of our trust. Jesus is the only way to a right relationship with God the Father. There's not one way. He's not one way amongst numerous ways. That's what our world tells us. But he is the only way since he is what? The only truth and the only life. Full confidence. The only way to life eternal. Uh, interesting, John uses the word life. It's a real emphasis for him in relation to eternity 36 times throughout his gospel. The other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, emphasize it as well, but uh, they use it no more than 17 times. So this was a huge emphasis for John in his gospel, for the disciples and for us to know that yet Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the only eternal life that we can have. And number six, 
As we think about troubled hearts today, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' death on the cross opened the way for all sinners to be in a right relationship with God the Father. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? There's so many things that happened. The wrath of God against sin was satisfied. They had that in the Old Testament through the sacrificial lambs and and other offerings that were brought as sin offerings, but they were not once for all of time. They were temporary. And people had to keep coming back over and over and offering those sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God for all time. The temple curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. What did that symbolize? That thick curtain, the place that that shielded the holy of holies from everyone except the high priest once a year who would go into the holy holies on the day of atonement and offer sacrifice on behalf of all the people. That curtain was torn. And it symbolized our free access individually into the very throne room of heaven into the holy of holies in heaven. And as individuals, we don't have to go through a man in order to have our sins forgiven. We can go directly to God the Father and confess our sin, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the full price, knowing that the wrath of God for our sin was satisfied. And we can know that our sins are forgiven and the guarantee of a home in heaven for all eternity. You won't find this in the Bible, but tradition says when that great high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year on behalf of all the people, went through that curtain, uh, they actually tied a rope around his ankle. Because if something happened to him while he was in there, say he died while he was in there, nobody could go in for a whole year. Well, you know what that would be like. (laughs) And so tradition says that they tied a rope around his ankle in case he wasn't coming out, because they couldn't open the curtain. They could at least pull on the rope and bring him back out again. That's just tradition. But aren't you glad today to know that we don't have to have someone go on our behalf? It's wonderful. You know, I had a camp counselor who helped me (laughs) and prayed with me, but I still had to make that personal prayer directly to God myself to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and ask for my sins to be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, the full price for the sins of all people was paid for through that sinless sacrifice of Jesus as the Lamb of God. The door is open for all to have sins forgiven and the guarantee of that home in heaven for all eternity. And although all of this and so much more was accomplished through Jesus Christ, every one of us personally must come to that place where we accept by faith God's gift of salvation. For God so loved the world If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, put your name in the word, take out the word world and put your name. For God so loved Godfrey that he gave his only begotten son that if Godfrey would believe, Godfrey would have eternal life. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we read these words, for by grace have you been saved through faith, not not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Can I ask you this morning, what is troubling your heart today? I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4, when we think of the troubles in our, in our everyday lives. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 tells us this, that our light and momentary troubles are working for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. If you're like me today, the troubles don't feel light and they don't feel very momentary. But in contrast to eternity, to the assurance we have of a home in heaven for all eternity, our troubles on planet earth are light and they are momentary. And when troubles trouble your heart, remind yourself of the truth of Jesus' words in John 14, 1-6. And then I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18 as a follow-up to this verse. As we think about our light and momentary troubles, what they are working on our behalf, it goes on to say, because of this, because of the eternal glory, we fix our eyes, Paul says, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Would you stand with me, please, and bow your heads? Close your eyes as I pray, and I'll invite the worship team to come as well. As we sing this closing song, just reflect on the words personally. But before we sing this morning, I would just ask, is there something troubling at your heart today? The wonderful thing we can do with our troubled hearts, because of the free access into the very throne room of heaven, we can come and we can pray. And I would just invite you this morning, this might not be common to you or familiar even maybe in our church, but if there's something really troubling your heart today and you want to come and you want to pray, I always view the, the front of the, the sanctuary as an altar. And it's a place where we can come and bring our burdens and our concerns before the Lord. And if you want to come this morning and as we sing, please feel free to do so. And just come and cry out before the Lord. He knows your troubled heart. And he can give you wonderful assurance as you go forward to live even this week with that troubled heart, not knowing the future, but knowing the one who holds the future in his hands. So any of those things that we listed that are troubling you today and maybe something else, if you want to come and pray today, please feel free to do so. Come and kneel or stand at the front and just cry out to the Lord and offer your troubled heart to him. God bless you.